you can go on to Children's Church now. Have a great time there. <clears throat> We're going to be in the book of Romans today. Uh, finally back to that book in chapter 12. Romans 12:1 I beseech you therefore brethren by the mercies of God that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice holy acceptable to God which is your reasonable service The therefore points back to all that Paul has said leading up to this point and uh, just to remind you of a little bit of our journey through this marvelous book of Romans. We begin in chapter 1 with the um, great statement of the gospel that Paul gives in uh, verse 16 where he says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. And, and then he goes on in the rest of chapter 1 and 2 to show why we so desperately need this gospel of grace because we are sinners and in fact in chapter 3 he says there is none righteous no not one in verse 10 and in verse 23 he says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God but he gives the answer as well in chapter 3 that it is through the the propitiation the the sacrificial gift of Jesus Christ that God is both just and the justifier because he has made provision for our sin and that gift that grace gift that Christ has given is obtained through faith and so Romans 4 uses the illustration of the life of Abraham who believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness and and so for all of us we come to God on the same basis not by law not by works but by faith and Romans 5 then begins, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 5 goes on to remind us that even though we were enemies of God, separated from Him, yet Christ died for us. And Romans 6 tells us of the new life we therefore have in Christ. Uh, we are... Uh, in the likeness of his death and also in the likeness of his resurrection therefore we are to reckon ourselves dead to sin and alive to God Romans 6.11 says and 6.14 says that we are no longer under the law but under grace and um, then Romans 7 reminds us that though we are made new creatures in Christ we still have a struggle in this life and in this body and if we let the flesh have its way, it will be constant defeat. But praise God that he has given us the answer, the victory through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 8 then opens with, uh, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but walk according to the Spirit. And the rest of chapter 8 talks about us being 
in Christ and having the Spirit and how the Spirit uh, confirms with us that we are indeed children of God. The Spirit makes intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered and um, God is fulfilling his ultimate purpose in us to bring us to Christ's likeness. He will complete that and, and he will never leave us. In fact, the great ending of Romans chapter 8 is that nothing in life or death, height or power, angels, nor any other kind of created thing will ever separate us from the love of God which is in Christ. And then chapters 9 and 10 and 11, uh, Paul talks about how the gospel relates specifically to Israel. Israel past in chapter 9, Israel present in chapter 10, Israel future in chapter 11. And then that's where we left off um, last year. Back at the end of November, I think, is where we ended uh, chapter 11. We are now picking up in chapter 12. And and now Paul is not presenting new information about the gospel or how it works or why we need it but rather chapters 12 through 16 are the more practical uh, uh, chapters of the book and telling us how to live in light of the gospel we've already seen why we must have the gospel how we are saved by the gospel but now it's how do we live in light of the gospel and Paul begins this section with, I beseech you, I urge you, I exhort you, therefore, brethren, based upon the mercies of God that I've talked to you about in chapters 1 through 11, based upon those mercies that you, you give over your life, your bodies, the living sacrifice. So let's look at this, this particular verse in a little bit more detail then. First of all, who is to present their body? Who is uh, commanded to and who is able to? Um, two particular words are the key for us here. The first being brethren. That is those who are spiritual children of God. Those who belong to God. God only accepts gifts from those who belong to him. He only accepts gifts from those whom he has called to be his children. I beseech you, therefore, brethren. Now, of course, this means not only brethren, but cistern as well. It's a general word for the children of God. Giving to God for us as believers, as his children, is both a blessing and an obligation. We are obligated because God has called us to do so. We are blessed to be able to do it because God enables us to do so. I, I think of it kind of like in the um, command of Ephesians 5.25, husbands, love your wives. And so in my relationship to Sherry, I have an obligation to love her but I also have the blessing of being able to love her. There are, are a lot of people who know her and love her, but nobody knows her and loves her like I do because of my unique relationship. So I have the, the blessing of being able to love her. I was thinking of this yesterday as I was planting one squarely on her lips. <laughs> that no one else is able to do that. 
No one else could get away with that but me. And it's based on that relationship. So it's, a, it's an obligation which I take seriously. I'm to love my wife and to defer to her and treat her as precious and so forth. And I want to do that. But I'll, I also have the blessing of being able to do that. And that's how it is with us as being children of God because of that relationship we have with him. As brothers and sisters in Christ, we are obligated to present our bodies to God, but we're also blessed in being able to do that and that God enables us as his children to do so. And he blesses us in it. So as, as brethren, the other word that stands out to me is living I beseech you therefore brethren by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice that is those who have spiritual life from God reminder that where our life comes from is God we were once dead in sin but have been made alive in Christ now we have spiritual life from God this is already implied of course in the word brethren but uh pointed out again by being a living sacrifice those who have an ongoing life from God those who are dead spiritually have nothing to give God he would accept nothing from their hand anyways but being dead they have no ability to give anything to God it's only those who are alive who are spiritually alive who can then give their bodies to God um, the spirit has to be saved for the body to be able to be presented and so those who are living can present their bodies to God well <clears throat> why are we to present our bodies to God he gives uh, two main reasons here first of all it's because of God's mercy I beseech you therefore brethren by the mercies of God and notice that it's actually plural the, the mercies of God the, the multifaceted mercy of God God's mercies are renewed every day as Lamentations reminds us and God's mercies appear to us in multiple ways every day uh, so reminders of uh, what Paul has said here recently in recent chapters of Romans about God's mercies. Go back to Romans chapter 9. Verse 15. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whomever I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whomever I will have compassion. Verse 16. So then it is not of him who wills, nor of him who runs, but of God who shows mercy. You can't demand or earn God's mercy. It's, it's his choice. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. Verse 18, therefore he has mercy on whomever he wills, and on whom he wills he hardens. Verse 22, what if God, wanting to show his wrath and to make his power known, endured with much long suffering the vessels of wrath prepared 
for destruction and that he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy which he had prepared beforehand for glory then in chapter 11 getting closer to our the passage at hand chapter 11 starting at verse um, 30 11.30 For as you were once disobedient to God yet have now obtained mercy through their disobedience even so these also have now been disobedient that through the mercy shown you they also may obtain mercy for God has committed them all to disobedience all of them and all of us he has committed all to disobedience that he might have mercy on all then Paul breaks into this oh the depth of the riches both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God how unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out we just cannot fathom the, the mercies of God and so then he says in chapter 12 verse 1 I beseech you therefore brethren by the mercies of God Therefore, in light of the great mercies of God extended to us, present your bodies to him. The mercies of God have been openly displayed for us on the pages of this book of Romans. The mercy of God in providing the gospel of salvation, chapter 1, verse 16. The mercy of God in his kindness toward us, Romans 2, 4, don't you know that the kindness of God leads you to repentance? He says there, the mercy of God and forgiveness from sin and his payment for sin in Romans 3. The mercy of God in granting us peace in Romans 5. The mercy of God and the freedom from bondage in Romans 6 and, and on and on through the book of Romans. The mercies of God are displayed. So why present your body to God as a living sacrifice? Because of the mercies of God in view of those mercies. The word translated by means based on or because of. One translation says, well, in view of the mercies of God. We have been such grateful recipients of those mercies that we are now called upon to give our bodies as a living sacrifice. <clears throat> the second reason in this verse that's given is because it is your reasonable service or worship. Now the verse 12 goes, I, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living, holy, a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, then he says that this is your reasonable service. So that gives another reason why to do it. Because it is your reasonable service. That's a notoriously difficult phrase to translate at the end of verse 12. Uh, I like the way the New American Standard translates it as it is your spiritual service of worship. Trying to stretch the two Greek words into three thoughts. Uh, in order to get the whole the richness of the meaning here 
It is your spiritual service of worship or as the New King James says, your reasonable service. Let's think about uh, this statement for a moment. It really affects your, your mind and your will and your heart in, in giving your body to God. First of all, your mind, it is reasonable. It is your reasonable service. The, the Greek word translated reasonable here uh, will be familiar to you. It's uh, logikos, where we get the word logical. Just a transliteration, really, of logikos. It is your logical service. It's also translated by, by some versions as spiritual. Now, it may seem at first that logical and spiritual would be different words, but let me give you some of the reason behind that thinking. The, the word logikos came to mean spiritual because... Um, of what was going on in the culture of that day and leading up to it. The, uh, the Greek philosophers, especially the Stoics, um, made a distinction regarding worship. And as you know, the, the Greeks worshiped their pantheon of gods. And the philosophers considered most worship to be superstitious. That is, non-logikos just superstitious worship but they did hold that if worship was done in a rational way that it was rational or logikos then it was considered to be spiritual so they divided it into superstitious worship or spiritual worship which they considered rational and so this word logikos came to mean both things at the same time by the time the New Testament's being written. It's both logical and spiritual in the, in the Greek culture. Now, I, I think it's better to uh, not read too much of the Greek culture into it and let the word retain its original meaning of reasonable. Um, that is, in our giving of our whole selves to God, including our bodies as living sacrifices that is not something unreasonable for God to ask of us it is reasonable for us to do that it is the logical extension of our faith life in him he has given us life and we commit it to him and who or what else besides God would warrant our giving our lives as a living sacrifice. The only logical answer would be God. And the only spiritual answer would be God. So it is, it involves your mind, it is, it is reasonable. Also involves your will, it is service. It is your, your reasonable service, the end of Chapter 12, uh, I mean, uh, chapter 12, verse 1 says, Your reasonable service or spiritual service of worship involves your will because it is your service. Now, this particular Greek word means either religious service or worship. And, and really, to uh, someone like an Old Testament priest, you couldn't divide those thoughts to 
to think of religious duty, religious service, as anything other than worship was a foreign idea. Those two things were brought together. And even today, we, we kind of mingle those thoughts. This is a, a time of worship, but it's also a worship service, isn't it? We still think of this as after our service today. See, how we, we still combine those ideas even in English. And so uh, that's, that's the same thing behind this Greek word. So I, I think it's good to understand both ideas embedded in this word. But for now, let's consider the service part of it. This is, this is especially a religious service in that uh, it is directed toward God. It is Godward service. It's not just doing things for the sake of doing good things, but it is service Godward, uh, religious service. And in that it is service, it is something of, which is a, a giving of oneself without any expectation of reward. That's service. We're not doing something for God so we can get something back from God. But it is giving of ourselves with no expectation of reward. We, we don't deserve any reward. It is our logikos service. It involves your mind and your will of freely giving your service, but also your heart. It is, at the bottom line, worship. It is your, as the New American Standard says, your spiritual service of worship. True worship does not require from us uh, stained glass windows or uh, lighted candles or a certain kind of mood music true worship requires just one thing that is a heart devoted to God if you have a heart for God you can't help worshiping Jesus said in John 4 that God is seeking worshipers a particular kind of a worshiper those who will worship him in spirit and in truth if you are Presenting your body to God as a living sacrifice, you will have a heart to worship Him. On the other hand, if you are not presenting your body as a living sacrifice to God, you will find it very difficult to worship Him. Remember a conversation with a man of the uh, advanced age of 30 who was so disappointed with his life at the age of 30 and so disappointed with God that he could not bring himself to worship God anymore. I talked in my office with him for a while about it and he, this young man had had a dream. Here's what was going to happen and then that would lead to this then, then finally that would lead to this and that's my dream. And because God didn't let this happen, he crashed my dreams there, then that couldn't happen, and now I never have any prospect of this, and I, I just can't worship a God like that. Well, who was he really worshiping? His own dreams. He had an idol of his own. He was not yielding his body as a living sacrifice to God. 
he was playing a game and hoping that God would meet all his desires. Sometimes God takes away those things that we hold so close so that he is all that we have left and we find him more than sufficient. On the other hand, I uh, remember a young woman named Rose uh, in Harrison Center Church Sherry, you remember Rose it was a young woman who came <clears throat> who, who had some kind of rare form of cancer and she had perhaps a year to live she had two young sons and, and uh, married of course um, she was really a budding artist and uh, had a great future ahead of her she found out that she she just had a matter of time left to live. And she was the greatest testimony of anyone I've seen of how to handle that. She uh, just so trusted in God, let go of the dreams that she had and accepted what he had for her. Rose would... Uh, occasionally do special music for us she was awful she uh she was almost as bad as I am that's considerable but there was something something God did when Rose got up to sing you when she sang it's like the world stopped and it didn't matter what her voice sounded like. It was immaterial. It was her heart expression. She was so close to God, you, it's almost, you could see the, his radiance in her face. And she had given her body as a living sacrifice to God. She couldn't help worshiping. And not just on Sunday. I mean, anyone who talked to her during the week, you couldn't help coming away feeling blessed. So, who are you really worshiping? If you're, if you're giving your body as a living sacrifice to God, you, you just can't help worshiping. And finally, how should you present your body to God? <clears throat> well, first of all, most obvious, as a body. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies, your, your body as a real, tangible, physical body. Not just saying, I'm going to present myself to God. How many times have I said that or have I heard that people saying I, you know I'm going to commit myself to God well that's fine but will you commit your body to God your real tangible physical body and every part of it to God now God is not looking for you to sacrifice a lamb or money or anything else 
He's not looking for a particular form of praise or a particular kind of service. He wants our bodies themselves. God not only demands the gifts, he demands the giver. He doesn't want your stuff. He wants you personally. And remember, that's how he gave. He didn't just cast down some blessings from heaven and scatter them around saying, I hope you get blessed by this. He gave himself, his own body, his physical body on a tree crucified for us. And in the same way, he asks us to yield our bodies as a living sacrifice to him. Now there's a background of uh, dualism behind this that is the people back then looked at at our being as a, uh, being made up of two parts dualism a, a spiritual part and a physical part and they, they held that the spiritual part was, was good but the physical part was bad or perhaps unimportant that is it wouldn't, doesn't matter what you do with your physical body it's the, only the spirit that counts and I think sometimes we get caught up in that kind of thinking I mean it's our spirit that is redeemed it's our spirit that's going to go on live with God this body's going to be put in the dirt one day and become dust and it'll be resurrected as a new body one day but, but this body is just a vehicle for our spirit if we if we get caught up too much in that, we will uh, denigrate the use of the body that God has for us now. We are made up of spiritual and physical or the immaterial and material parts. But still in this life, we are a unit, the spiritual and the physical, and God wants us to use this physical being for his glory. Your spirit has been redeemed, but not your body. Not yet. Your body has not yet been redeemed, the physical part of you. It will be, but not yet. And so you, are, you have a, a spiritual being that's renewed, a new man, new woman inside you, but the, the old same physical body. Now let's look at a few passages real quickly here to kind of cement this for us. Philippians chapter 3 Verse 20 and 21. <clears throat> Philippians 3, starting at verse 20, says, For our citizenship is in heaven from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body, that it may be conformed to his glorious body, according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. So it hasn't been made new, redeemed yet, but we're, our citizenship is in heaven. We're looking forward to Christ and the, the time that he is going to transform this 
body and make it like his now go back to the book of Romans and uh, chapter 6 verse 12 and 13 Romans 6 starting at verse 12 therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in its lust and do not present your members your physical members of your body your hands your feet whatever as instruments of unrighteousness to sin but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead as living sacrifices as alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God chapter 7 verse 18 and here's here's the struggle that we're dealing with and why we need to consciously purposely present our bodies as living sacrifices starting at verse 18 of chapter 7 for I know that in me that is in my flesh nothing good dwells for to will is present with me but how to perform what is good I do not find for the good that I will to do I do not do but the evil I will not to do that I practice now if I do what I will not to do it is no longer I who do it but sin that dwells in me I find then a law that evil is present with me the one who wills to do good for I delight in the law of God according to the inward man that is according to the renewed spiritual person I delight in the, in the law of God but I see another law in my body in my members in my physical body I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members O wretched man that I am who will deliver me from this body of death who will deliver me from this body of death that's where the struggle is I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord Christ is the ultimate deliverer of that but we still recognize as Paul did in Romans 7 there's an ongoing battle and that's why Paul is saying you you have to present your bodies as a living sacrifice to God. Uh, go back to uh, Romans 11. And just to remind you as, you as you go there what Paul says elsewhere in 1 Corinthians 6, for instance, that our bodies are the temple of, of God. Of the, the Holy Spirit dwells in us. And he has bought us. Uh, and our bodies are to be used for him. So how do we present our bodies to God? Well, the word present, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present is a word that is uh, often used in a technical sense for a priest placing an offering on the altar. And I think that's a wonderful way to, for you and us to think of this. Presenting as in placing ourselves on the altar for God, our bodies on the altar. The most important of how we present our body is the heart or the attitude in it. Is it a 
giving as a sacrifice, placing on the altar to God our bodies. In practical terms, the famous 4th century preacher Chrysostom, uh, Chrysostom said about this very passage, And how is the body, it may be said, to become a sacrifice? Let the eye look on no evil thing, and it has become a sacrifice. Let your tongue speak nothing filthy, and it has become an offering. Let your hand do no lawless deed, and it has become a whole burnt offering. And that's the idea. What are you doing with your eye and your lips and your, your tongue and your ears? And what are you listening to? What are you viewing? What are you doing with your hands? Where are your feet taking you? In very practical terms, what is your body doing? Offer it all to God. Everything that you do. And in more recent times, the uh, German theologian Keisman wrote... Paul does not spiritualize worship. Rather, he extends the sphere into every dimension of life. The Christian is called to worship that is not confined to one place or one time, but which involves all places and all times. Christian worship does not consist of what is practiced at sacred sites, at sacred times, and with sacred acts. It is the offering of bodily existence in the otherwise profane sphere. So how do we effectively demonstrate to the world that we love God? Certainly it's not just by us thinking good thoughts in our own mind or in our own closet reading his word and praying. The world doesn't know that we love God because we do that. It is by how we use our bodies in this real world that we demonstrate our love for God. By, by how we live in this present evil age, by how we conduct ourselves as children of light, that we bring honor to God or dishonor, depending on how we use our bodies. So how shall we present our body? As a body. And then finally, as a sacrifice. The... Um, the grammar of, of this section really says, present your body as a sacrifice, followed by three adjectives, living, holy, acceptable to God. So we are to be a living sacrifice. You know, in, in the Old Testament, they offered up dead sacrifices. They'd take a, a lamb and slit its throat and it would die. Then they would offer this dead animal on the altar for a, a burnt offering. Well, we don't offer dead animal sacrifices anymore because the Lamb of God has taken away our sin. He has been crucified and sacrificed once for all. And so the redeemed are not to offer some dead sacrifice, they are to offer themselves as alive in Christ. All that we have and are, including our physical bodies, are to be a living sacrifice. Our bodies are to be presented as ongoing, living sacrifices every day as long as we live in this body. This body is to be presented to God. To be a holy sacrifice. Now, by holy here, I don't think that um, Paul meant as a 
perfect sacrifice which is ultimately what holy means because God is holy he is perfect completely without sin but perhaps the the more base meaning of this word which is set apart we are to present our bodies as being set apart to God for his special use however he wants to use our bodies whatever way our bodies can bring him glory set apart especially for that and finally as an acceptable sacrifice now the, the word acceptable I think has fallen pretty has fallen on pretty hard times of late it doesn't carry the weight it once did I've been uh, listing some of my books on Amazon to sell and I noticed that in the categories of uh, description for a book you want to sell it's, uh, it's new like new very good good fair acceptable so acceptable is the, the lowest level I mean it's just barely you could yeah I recognize that as a book kind of it had a cover at one time you know it's acceptable in some sense of the word but it's the lowest level and I, I think that that's a problem with this kind of word and the way we have come to view it yeah that's, that ought to be acceptable to God um, a great deal of deciding whether something is acceptable or not depends on who it's for if if I was to come over to your home for lunch uh, and you used paper plates and plasticware, that would be fine for me. That would be acceptable for me. Um, but if the Queen of England were coming to your home for lunch, you might want to rethink that. You probably wouldn't put out your best paper plates. You might even get out China. And see, so who's it for? This is for God. And based on the manifold mercies of God, what is acceptable to Him? What do you think is acceptable for you to give God? You think giving just part of yourself is, that's okay, that's acceptable? what is acceptable to him so the worship team comes up I want us to just bow our heads and close in prayer thinking about this just join me in, in prayer Lord what what is acceptable sacrifice on our behalf to you Lord I sense that we have too lightly taken this admonition this direction to to give up our bodies as a living holy sacrifice we pray God that you would you would show us in our own lives individually what you want what would be an acceptable offering to you what would be well pleasing in your sight Lord we pray that you would not only show us but by the power of your spirit within us enable us 
to yield our bodies as living sacrifices, holy sacrifices, acceptable to you. We exalt you in Jesus' name. Amen.